Hello, Internet! This is Neil with Geek Fanthology, and we are here today with... Michael. The one true Ben. Wookie. And today we are going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons! <laughs> Satan's game. Actually, I don't know if we're going to get into that or not. But, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other episode. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's very probably another episode. Part of my but, uh, <laughs> I was playing back then. I was barred from playing back then because of that. So, I played in secret because of that. Um, well, it was it, it was still a holdover in the nineties. So, yeah. but there was the animated series. There was the animated series, right? which helped. In any case, uh, we're going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, if you follow our podcast, and you know that actually this last Sunday we had the first episode of the first full episode of our actual play. We're playing Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition um, in Ben's homebrew world. Um, so we thought now would be a good time to talk about. Just some stuff with D and D. Start, you know, what we, how we got into D and D initially. Uh, what our favorite, some of our favorite stuff from D and D. I think we're going to talk about favorite class and favorite setting and things along those lines. I see Ben racking his brain. This is going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so, just sort of a basic. I think I think we'll start though with just a sort of a further basic introduction of our uh, characters uh, from our from the fifth edition game we're playing, Chronicles of Eroth. Um, I am playing Leon Steelmane, Dragon Slayer, Red Dragon Slayer, Red Dragon Slayer now, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. Spoilers. That episode, yes, yeah, spoilers edit, for... Edit that out in post. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, I'm not going to edit that out, and I'm going to leave out the thing where you asked me to edit it. <laughs> and this part, so that the joke gets stupidly meta, overly long, and hopefully draws back around again to where it's funny again, because of how long I'm drawing this this uh, horrid explanation You're out. being very un-Leon right now. I know, right? <laughs> Leon is... Um, Does Leon know that anymore? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he just doesn't use them. He just can't read them. Leon has an intelligence, <laughs> <laughs> intelligence score of 15, man. Half of discrimination, I'm sorry. Yeah. He should discover a tome that's like hooked on phonics. <laughs> <laughs> phonics is spelled with an F. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, tell us about Leon. Leon is a half-orc. Um, he was a slave um, far to the, what direction again, Ben? East? East. Yeah, east. Um... Owned by um, this this uh, world's version of a Frenchman. Um, <laughs> well, that's well, part of the West. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, that's part of the West. Yes. Well, then I guess that's from the West. There is. Although it's also owned by an ogre mage, so I don't really know exactly what happened with me. My backstory has kind of evolved and changed <laughs> as time progressed. I'm sorry, but I have to say, D20 years a slave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> um, and this. These days he sells his uh, soul, his uh, soul. Yes, he sells his soul as a mercenary. Um, his main sort of defining attributes is his unwavering loyalty to whomever he's working for at the time. You can't say no quickly. I'll pay you double if you just turn on him. <laughs> to which he says his responsibility. No, I have a contract with him. <laughs> if you survive through this con- through this encounter. I may be willing to treat with you next month. However, if you survive this encounter, I'm not sure I can offer uh, I, I can offer good references for past performance. 
other really defining factor of him is he wears this giant suit of gleaming black plate mail that he never takes off, thanks to magic and feats and other fun things. Um, built him initially as a crit fishing power power fighting uh, two handed weapon build when we were playing Pathfinder, and now he's a martial mas- a battle master fighter in fifth edition. And yeah, a lot of fun playing him. Like, yeah. So <clears throat> my character is uh, a well, I say human, but there's kind of air quotes around that because he's technically an imperial, uh, as you heard in the introduction. He uh, hails from. Tamriel, um, Cyrodiil City specifically. Um, so he's an Imperial Bard, uh, human in D&D terms. Uh, he's uh, <clears throat> kind of a um, bit of a narcissistic, arrogant personality, but in a fun, charming way. At least he thinks so. Um, Leon works for him. <laughs> yes, that's right. He is the, uh, the party leader, essentially, at this point. That's just kind of how things have organically shaped. De facto leader. Yes. Um so yeah, he uh, <clears throat> he enjoys uh, playing his musical instruments, uh, singing his songs, making his jokes, drinking a lot. Um, he is uh, he when when we were in uh, Pathfinder when we were playing that, he was barred with a level of swashbuckler sprinkled in. So now he is uh, he's full on barred with uh, College of Valor, which has the extra attack and. Um, took a defensive duelist feat, so he's kind of still representing the swashbuckler thing. He uses a rapier and all that good Same. stuff. Um, but yeah, he's pretty good with the bow too. Um, so yeah, uh, I'd say the takeaway, if you want to get a um, idea of who Arlo is in stat terms and ability score terms, is he has a twenty charisma and a ten wisdom. <laughs> so yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and he's in charge of the party. <clears throat> yeah, well, the good news is he lis- he tends to listen to uh, to counsel from Leon and Drake. <laughs> well, he paid good money for Leon's services, so you know might as well listen. Technically, the High King paid for my services for the first month, but uh, yeah. I'm paying I, you now. I'm sure you're willing to pay me more. Yes. Ben is God, so we're going to skip him. Uh, <laughs> no, I play everybody else. You have, a, you have a plus infinity to everything. Well, I, I play everybody else. Clever the clever the Goblin Merchant. Um, that was fun. Fud, <laughs> the giant bodyguard. Yeah. Fud, yeah. Um, and uh, was it... Uh, Freck the Hobgoblin. Freck the Hobgoblin, yeah. Three most recent characters. Did we record anything with Freck? Uh, Freck? I don't no, think we had started we did. Freck, yeah. Yeah, Freck, Freck was, was right before we He's started. a Hobgoblin who, whose war band works for us. <laughs> now. Three, yeah. Again, 20 charisma. <laughs> well, that and, uh, he's, he's a very smart that, he, that he's pragmatic evil. So uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pragmatic. Yes, evil. pragmatic evil. This is alignment. Actually, he's neutral. He's pragmatic. He's uh, um, well, yeah. I guess pragmatic neutral. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so I play Flatnag, the goblin sorcerer. Uh, used to have a currently undecided name, but. Um, his original backstory is that he was the only surviving member of a group of goblins that the party had fought six months prior, roughly. Yeah. <laughs> and was Which given... were originally a group of troglodytes that got retconned into a, into a group of goblins so that he could play a goblin. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry, I have to which, include Which I am that. very appreciative of, because I love <laughs> goblins. But, uh, You're welcome. It was given that uh, their current mage saw... Uh, 
a magic talent at him and so give him the option of training under her or dying with the rest of his people. So obviously he chose to learn magic. And yeah, my neighbors with, are having a fight. Along with that, um, broke the, because since it started in Pathfinder, he broke the goblin taboo of not reading and through reading, uh, <laughs> saw the name Gandalf upside down and thought it would make a great name and so he's called Fladnag. Uh, this is a fifth edition, so he's the wild mage, wild magic for his origin. He's very fun-loving, loves to eat. With more interesting things, things to come. Yes, much more interesting things to come. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look forward and listen to our actual play podcasts every Sunday at 4.30. Teaser and plug. Things I do to poor Flatneck. <laughs> he genuinely wants to help the party the best way he can. He's become really good friends with our paladin and still is skeptical about Leon, although... Leon likes him, just he he hates him, too. Yeah. Leon Leon feels like an older brother. (laughs) Well, also, Leon isn't exactly a hard-on-the-sleeve kind of guy, so we take a while to realize that. Yeah, feels like... No, actually, really just feels like Fladnag is a, like, tiny kid brother, like... I now totally relate to my brothers who are five and seven years older than me. Uh, <laughs> he, Leon's growing on him to where he's actually starting to like him instead of just being terrified of him. Now it's a little of both. <laughs> and, and, you know, on the GM side, you know, looking at the, at the characters, there has been... Uh, one of the things I love about this game is the way the characters have grown. Because, for instance, Leon starts off with as this <clears throat> total, you know automaton almost right and now he's actually made friends with members of the party i know i don't know what i don't know what leon's <laughs> what gonna do with no, that yeah, what the hell, yeah. <laughs> because he's actually you know he's, he's act- revealed his deep dark secret to them i oh, mean yeah. come on <laughs> yeah they've seen they've seen him they've seen his face spoilers uh, <laughs> they've seen they've also seen his rage you know yeah um, seen his kinder side yeah and then, you know, Arlo, we originally saw as, you know, ha and I've seen him become more and more serious as the, you know, as the, as the, as it goes well, I th- on. I think he kind of accidentally fell into the role of leader and realized, like, yeah. the, the responsibility that it brought, so he's like, kind oh, of... Shit, I've got to be a leader. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's kind of like, oh, okay, well, right, I right. have to kind of be serious sometimes now. Right. Yeah. And then Flatnag, we've seen, you know, go from being... Terrified know, of anyone knowing what he was. To right. being completely proud of it. To Goblin coming out party. As, <laughs> right. As far as he's concerned, he is the richest goblin he's ever known. <laughs> he might actually be the I'm, richest goblin pro- in ever existed. Yeah, he's <laughs> probably right on that one. <laughs> right, he's probably right on that one. Especially after our latest escapades. More on that later. And he, and he has no no problem sharing it. Right. it. Like, he buys potions just for the party because he doesn't want to see what he considers his new family gone. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm the elf who started out not liking him. <laughs> well, to be fair, you were a favored enemy. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It didn't help that, that that two of the other player characters were favored enemies of the ranger. I guess right. I should. Uh, this would be a good segue to just quickly uh, touch on the others. I mean, I'm sure you've heard in the intro, but the other uh, the other two players that aren't present for the podcast uh, that are have characters in the game. Uh, my wife Lacey plays uh, Ida, the half elven ranger, who is uh, hunter. Um, Conclave, um, and um, then there's uh, Billy who plays uh, Drake, the uh, Dampier Paladin, um, and that's kind of a carryover from Pathfinder yeah. too. Yes, of, of Hedion. 
Um, that's kind of a, it was like a uh, lesser known race, a half vampire, basically blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daywalker. Yeah. yeah, now, uh, now um, we have the paladin training Fladnag, so that's interesting. We'll see what happens there. Uh, <laughs> spoilers to come. Uh, well, actually, no, we're going straight to avoid spoilers. Uh, that, that would be good to, to sort of start with, you know, that's what we're doing now. Um, but now I would like to kind of steer the conversation in a slightly different direction because all of us started with D&D somewhere, somehow, and I want Ben's answer last. Uh, <laughs> it's a long walk to go that far back in time. <laughs> I need a blue box. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. I actually started with, uh, with technically, I started with 3rd edition, not 3.5. Although 3.5 was out by the time I started with 3rd edition. Um, I played in a... Uh, in a group my freshman year of college. So what year was that, by the way? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> um, 2007? So I've, I've, I've been playing only for about nine years. Um, but before that, I was very aware of Dungeons & Dragons um, because my brother played it. Um, my older brother, Kent, who will probably not be happy at me for naming him the podcast, but screw him. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Love you, brother. But, um, because he played D&D with his posse in high school, in, in college. Um, and, um, I had wanted to play D&D before that, but my parents were, at the time, very, uh, very conservative in their in their uh, estimations of things. I wasn't officially allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons. I wasn't officially allowed to play Magic the Gathering. I did anyway, but that's beside the point. Um, and when my parents hear this, I will be retroactively grounded. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I live in my own house now. So, <laughs> well, by the way, I just love the, the irony of uh, the people that demonized it back in the day, and then it almost like. You know, it seems, it, it becomes more like, you know, oh, we're meeting in secret and doing sketchy things because of the stigma in the first place. Yeah. Whereas is, it would normally just be an out-in-the-open social thing. There was something to that. Um, so that's ironic. Although, interestingly enough, now my parents are very much kind of chilled about that sort of thing. But that's neither here nor there. We don't want to hear my story. But uh, <laughs> I started with, with 3.0 um, that quickly became strange and then dissolved after about a month um but i kind of i got bit i got the the bug at that point and and got into another game and have been playing off and on pretty much ever since michael yeah so for me it was a pretty similar in the timing although completely different uh rule set in addition um Fourth edition, the much maligned fourth edition, was my uh, introduction and to quiet your booze. We'll talk about <laughs> uh, to Dungeons and Dragons. Now, I like Neil um, is very much a thing in my consciousness. I knew of it. I was Dungeons and Dragons adjacent. I, I played many D and D games in my life to that point. Things like uh, Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale and Planescape Torment. A lot of things are set in the D and D verses. Um, but uh, Neverwinter Nights as well. Uh, but yeah, that was my first official D&D &D tabletop 
experience. I had played other tabletop games, but that was my first official D&D game. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, let's see, I played a human rogue, and I had a lot of fun with that, and I've loved rogues ever since. Um, I think they're great in 5th edition as well. They're pretty much great in every edition. I mean, rogues, right? Just awesome. Except for Pathfinder. Yeah. They had to rework rogues like five times in Pathfinder. <laughs> Well, they finally came out with Unchained Rogue. Unchained Rogue's really good. Yes, yeah, so uh, I've heard. Rules aside, <laughs> rogues are fun to play. That is true. And officially, they were thieves in the, in the old days. Um, yep. But I'm glad that they decided to... And Elf was a class, but we'll yes, get to that. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes, Ben will touch on that plenty. There may be mention of boxes. Yeah. Back in my day. But anyhow. Yeah, I played a decent amount of fourth, and then I played... I played a little bit of a kind of hybrid system in a in a game where there's a homebrew and it's kind of a cross between second edition and something else. So I have a little bit of uh, dabbling in uh, in other editions, uh, but mainly fourth and then Pathfinder and then most recently fifth edition, which is uh, my favorite. So yeah, um, that's my uh, jumping on point, uh, Ben. No, actually we're Wookie. Gonna, we're, oh, we're ending with Ben. <laughs> oh, okay. Switch it up here. Furthest back in time. So. Oh, right, of course. <laughs> I think we're actually going... Um, Not by much, though, as far as edition goes, because I actually started with second edition. Uh, 1998. I was a sophomore in high school. So I know you were much further back. <laughs> <laughs> He's so young. Uh, most I knew about D&D was I knew about... I had seen the animated series when my parents weren't around, because my parents were also, like, hardcore... Christian, so anything they even didn't—they didn't even want me reading the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings at the time. Wow, yeah, that took which is fun because they're totally allegorical. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I did a bunch of research. I got it to where I was able to read them, but DD was still a no-no. Yeah. So I had seen the series, and I remember that scene in ET where they're playing Murps, the (laughs) role-play system. So Uh that's about the extent of my knowledge of of tabletop gaming before that. I was at school during lunch and I heard these guys uh, talking like when I was a kid outside playing with my friends but they were doing it around a table and so I just asked them what are you guys doing and they're like we're playing Dungeons and Dragons and when they start explaining it to me uh, one of the things they mentioned was the dice and they didn't have any and so I asked about that, and they said, well, the school won't let us have them because they think we're gambling. <laughs> and in a way you are, with your players' yeah. lives, or characters' the DM, lives. The DM was a, like, a true genius. He'd worked out all of the percentages of how we would be able to do things and worked it out into rock, paper, scissors. You had to beat them so many oh, times yeah. to succeed. At See, I'm scale. picturing that little thing you fold with your fingers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't allowed those either. Wow. We did our tough, tough crowd, tough all crowd. All the high school is... We just started with a stopwatch. Stopwatch. That's interesting. You had to stop it within so, <laughs> so many within so many. Uh, uh, basically, you, you couldn't look at the stopwatch, and every D twenty was every, was every five. So yeah, you basically <laughs> hit it and then looked at what what you got. Wow, <laughs> I like so, it. Yeah. I, I I knew nothing of it. So the guy just said, "Well, what what could you see yourself playing if you could play anything you ever wanted in a fantasy setting?" And I said, "A ninja." I've always loved ninja type characters and there was a ninja class in second edition so he made me one he didn't even bring character sheets he had all of our stuff memorized wow Um, we would get to see our sheets every once in a while after high school we started playing uh, around a table and we actually got to have our character sheets and dice and dice or did you keep playing (laughs) Rochambeau felt felt spoiled at that point huh 
As soon as as soon as we were able to have dice, we had dice, and the game got so much better. Uh, <laughs> and then as soon as like I don't remember what year Third Ed came out, but as soon as we had access to it, we switched to that. We carried our characters over, and then immediately realized how bad of an idea that was, <laughs> because uh, the experience levels between the two systems was so like I'd gotten to level thirty by the time we stopped playing Second Ed. That's a lot of experience to transfer over to third edition. Yeah, it, it's ep- be even further into epic levels. By the way, I love the fact that you can be like, back in my day, I didn't even have dice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I played. played the, I played, played rock paper scissors, and, and we liked it. Watching. We liked it. <laughs> I played every edition except the original. Um, so I played second, third, three, five, Pathfinder. A little bit of fourth. Did not like it. Loving fifth and Pathfinder. I have been... So everything but the original segues really nicely into Yeah, I was going to say, Ben, uh, take it away, Speaking man. of the original... We're the one <laughs> true Ben, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Where the okay. rule books were written on deer hide. <laughs> yeah, they actually were stoner. Everything's made up in the point stone. Yeah. People don't realize it, but the Volinch manuscript is actually an old <laughs> D&D an old manual. <laughs> <laughs> so, they are finding okay. dice that they are saying is from like ancient Egypt and stuff. So. Yeah, that, that, that goes into a whole different TED talk about gaming... Uh, using gaming to deal with uh, with the famine and, and uh, yeah. a lack of food, but okay, back in my day. Um, <laughs> so so far, the furthest back we've gone is 1998. I'm going to take a quantum leap back to 1979. Uh, <laughs> 1979, 1980 was the year I first started playing D and D. It was my seventh grade year. Um, I had read about D and D in a kids magazine called Dynamite. <laughs> Um, and I was like, I've got magazine. To... By the way, for people who don't, know. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Dynamite. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a team. Ma- it was a it was a kids magazine from I think it was like uh, those uh, those uh, book catalogs, the Harper, Harper yeah. Collins, Harper. Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, I would, I would get my regular subscription of that. So, I actually got mine from a bookstore in the mall. Um, came in a box. Uh, it a red had, box, right? It was a actually this was a blue box. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a, had the dragon on the cover. It had the basic rules, which didn't go beyond first through third level. Um, had um, fighter, cleric, magic user, thief, elf. <laughs> yeah. Elf was a was a fighter magic user. Elf was a class. Although you could be, you couldn't be an elf cleric, but you could be an elf thief. Um, because reasons. Because yeah. elves. <laughs> because um, elves don't need your puny god. <laughs> that's the Hulk doesn't need your puny god. But so oh, by yeah. the way, do they have? Uh, was that when they had just ripped off Hobbit wholesale? Like, was that in there? Or is that a different version? Um, I think Hobbits came in AD and D. Yeah, Hobbits. Oh, it was the first AD and D. No, thing? it was actually this was. Um, I think originally, I'm not really sure because it came up as halfling. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then it, okay. So I remember the very, been, very beginning. It was, might have been after Gygax and after he got, got the lawsuit. lawsuit. Yeah. So this is post lawsuit, just to clarify. Okay. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was, and at the time, I was not aware of it. Um, so we ended up, and it didn't have the dice in the in the game. Uh-huh. Um, my, you know, once, so we ended up using. At first, we were using four six sided dice. Uh, in order to get something, you know, 
in between. Well, I'd imagine people just kind of pilfered them from various board games at that point, like Risk and like yeah, Trouble oh, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, Always pilfer from Risk. If you ever need a Shadowrun game, just buy a bunch of Risk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or Yahtzee. Yeah. Yeah, that too. So, yeah, we, and More dice this, than was, this was right, really well, right around the beginning of the whole Satan and Scare. Oh, boy. Um, Thank you, Chick Tracks and Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> right? So, uh, it came, and it had the had the basic rule book, um, and it had Keep on the Borderlands. And we played through that, God knows how many times. Uh, <laughs> um so that was my that was my beginning with it. Uh, I had to go through the whole you know 1980s scare of oh it's Satan's game. Mm-hmm. Had to hide my D and D books, um, you know, and we played D and D in uh, junior high. Uh, we had a whole group. That was my first character was Thoro Flambard. Um, he was he was a was he flambardent. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I mean, I'm kind of sword. I'm kind of uh, you know filling that niche right now. Yeah, he had it, but he would. That was why he had the name Flambard is because he actually ended up with a flaming sword. Um, he was originally a fighter, um, but then when the first uh, when the advanced D comes that came out, and we got the first player's handbook barred in the back of that mm-hmm. you had to you had to get like six uh levels of fighter yeah. uh seven to a prestige nine, class yeah <laughs> seven to nine levels very of, of thief and then you became a first level bard um and then you got started getting spells and and by by that point yeah bard was a badass yeah uh, bards were total badasses i mean and uh, <clears throat> and it's when that's when all of the levels had names Ooh. Uh, Do you remember any of the the titles? Um, Well, if you were a paladin, it was things like uh, Champion, Myrmidon. Cavalier. uh, Cavalier, yeah. And that was before Cavalier class actually came out. Yeah, before that was a thing, sure. Yeah, when Cavalier first came out in the first Unearthed Arcana. Yes. When Barbarian came out in the first Unearthed Unearthed Arcana. Um, And then they, you know, then second edition came out with the with what we are used to as skills was non-weapon proficiencies. Ah, okay. And uh, uh, class kits. And two-hit armor class zero. Yeah, to Thacko. Yeah, yeah. Thacko. Oh, man. Um, and, well, see, Thacko actually, yeah, that was... That was Thacko condition. made sense if you knew what you were doing. Yeah. yeah, it really did. People gave it a lot of grief, but it wasn't really that hard. The thing is, is though, it wasn't consistent. Uh, because Thacko, there would point, there'd be a point where there are four armor classes that you could hit with a 20, and then you had to get to a 21. Um, so I was just like, what the hell? Uh, yeah, I'm never going to defend Thacko, I'm sorry. Uh, below a certain point, Thacko made sense. Mm-hmm. Above a certain point, yeah. Thacko stopped making sense. It, stopped, it became too complex. Um, if you have to so preface that, it with, well, some of it makes sense, then it's a bad idea. Yeah, that's, and... and but I just don't think it deserves as much shade as it gets. Per, yeah. Perhaps, but, you know. Well, it was... What it was, it was a... Try to make it as simple as possible. You know, because if you knew where your armor class zero was, everything else was just add addition and subtraction. Um, it was still the same armor class system, it was just in reverse. It, you know, it, yeah, it was in reverse. Um, but you, what it did was it gave you a benchmark. Yeah. Um, you know, and I have an AC of negative three. Right, which meant you had to have a twenty-three to hit. Um, you know, if you were at like level one. 
But then, so I played through the original Dungeons and Dragons, basic Dungeons and Dragons, advanced Dungeons and Dragons, second edition Dungeons and Dragons, and then third edition came out. I started looking at it and seeing all the feats and stuff like that. I skipped third, four, third, three point five, and fourth, and went straight to Pathfinder when it came out um, because it was just like, okay, they're starting to do new stuff. And as I had seen with the first version, when they start doing new stuff, they invariably screw it up. Well, three third was not very. What I can say, starting with third and moving to three five, mm-hmm. third was inferior. Although, also you will find that any time the system number changes, mm-hmm. everybody loses their collective shit. Oh yeah, right. Uh, well, and, and the thing is, is it became more complex. Uh, it introduced all. I mean, basically. Creating a character in the old days, back when I was first playing, three d six six times in order. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, create, yeah you, did, you did your stats, you added your pluses, you got your gear, you were done. Second edition comes out. Oh, you choose a few skills. You know, you, you pick your your weapon and non weapon proficiencies, which is great if you're having a playing a first level mage, uh, picking up alchemy. Allows you to do a lot of fun stuff. It makes it makes it seem like you're more powerful than you really are. Um, but you know, then you get to three and three five, and it's like it took me six freaking days just to figure <laughs> out. You know, it's like so we've got we've got our stats and we got our class and our class feats and we got our feats and then we've got our skills and I was just going. Oh. You got to stop channeling George Lucas to talk about D anD. d Yeah, I know. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> but I just, yeah, just like Jar Jar is the key. Jar Jar is the key. But so yeah, and then but when I came with when Pathfinder came out, they had eliminated a lot of the crap and it was okay. Stats, skills, feats. You're pretty much done. Go you know go on a shopping spree. Yeah. But um, and I like one of the things that, one of the things I like about Pathfinder is they made it um, more streamlined. Mm-hmm. But it, they also made it very easy to backport things that you really liked from three five because it is it was just an updated and streamlined version of three five for the most part. One thing I liked about Pathfinder was is it let you compose you know component in you could create your own magic items you could create mm-hmm. a lot of stuff into that Pathfinder is very modular. Um, now, in going to going to fifth edition, mechanically, it is the one that I, as a GM, I enjoy running the most because it has the fewest floating variables. Yeah. Uh, there's less math involved. I miss them floating variables. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we get to favorite uh, f- favorite game type, which we're going to do here in a bit, uh, you'll you'll hear my thoughts. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, fifth, fifth ed is, is streamlined. It's easy to run. Um, so that's where, I, where I'm running now. Uh, you know, of course, I I have never been. You know, I've always been of the Barbosa school of thought about about additions and rules, and more guidelines and actual rules. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you have to be a pirate for the. Uh, but anyways, so that's my long and varied history with D and D. Back when Phil Foglio was a uh, girl genius. Yeah. Uh, was doing what's new uh, with the uh, in Dragon Magazine when Dragon Magazine was actually a magazine. Wow! Hmm. Yeah, you can actually hold in your hands. Yeah, imagine you can, that. You can still get uh, old back issues or order from Paizo. Uh, they'll they'll actually print them on demand for you now. Um, That's awesome, including the old hats, uh, which <laughs> is kind of magic. 
um, I thought since I brought it up, we should talk about uh, also favorite set uh, version. Um, and for me, hands down, it's Pathfinder. Um, I started with 3.0, 3.5. I mean, 3.0, yes, I started with 3.0 for like a month of playing every Sunday. Um, and then so that game, and then that game dissolved. And then the next game I played was three was three point five, and three point five was so much better than three zero. Um, Mongs could do, now deal lethal damage. Um, things along those lines, like basic shit. Um, and I played three five for a very 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 long time. Um, pretty much the the. Remaining entirety of my gaming of my D and D career up until these last two or three, I have been playing uh, Dungeons Dragons three point five. For a while, I was also playing in a fourth edition game, and I'm one of the few people that will actually say fourth edition was not bad for what it was, which was a combat simulator, and that was it. Dungeons and Dragons Fourth Edition was an was an MMORPG on paper at a table instead of a computer, and it would work very well as that. It did not work very well as Dungeons and Dragons. That is all I wish to say about the subject. Um, but I played a lot of three five, and I really liked three five. Um, but then Pathfinder came out, and Pathfinder had a few things going for it. It's a little more streamlined. Um, more diversity. You yeah, know, there's like a, there's, a team of the same yeah, class. You do a lot more options. And the big thing that sold me on Pathfinder, and the reason I still prefer Pathfinder to 5th edition, I'm warming to 5th edition quite well. The big reason I like Pathfinder so much more than 5th edition is the OGL. Everything, every rule, every class that has come out for Pathfinder can be found online for free legally now sure you can find websites out there that have I, I think I said 3.5 I meant Pathfinder um, you can find things out there for 3.5 and for 5th edition and for 4th edition they are illegal the exception of direct actual SRDs as published by Wizards of the Coast Everything you find out there is not legal source material. Um, Pathfinder doesn't have that, which makes it infinitely more accessible. Also, I like the floating modifiers because I'm something of a power gamer. Um, you don't say. <laughs> never would have guessed. Yes. I like being able to find interesting little interactions and such. I'm not a total munchkin, but I am definitely a power gamer. Um, <laughs> As long as you don't stab your buddies, I guess you're not really a munchkin. Yeah, right. Well, that, I, and I will frequently sacrifice power for flavor. Um, just when there is a flavorful, powerful option, I'm like I'm likely to take it. Yeah. Right. So, yes. Pathfinder. Love it. Mike? Yeah. Um, I love Pathfinder, too. Um, um, fourth, uh, I guess <laughs> it was like, I didn't know any better. I was young and confused. <laughs> <laughs> I was experimenting. <laughs> and now you're just older. <laughs> but, you know, um, 
I, I, I agree for the most part about your analysis of fourth. Um, <clears throat> I do feel like there were some role-playing things uh, in there that were kind of interesting, like the concept of uh, Paragon Paths and Epic Destinies and kind of having that, like, uh, that but long, slow burn bad, type yeah. thing. Yeah, and I, I, again, any, any edition you play, it has a lot, a ton to do with your DM and the general atmosphere or dynamic with your group. And I had a fun group, and my the yeah. DM was was interested in all aspects, not just the crunchy combat yeah. stuff. And I don't and I don't regret any of the time I played for. Like I spent <laughs> right. Neither do I. Years. It was it was a it was a fun run, At but not most. Of, there there were some times when I wasn't having fun and kind of stuck with it. But that could be any addition, though. Yeah. That just yeah. has to do with the game and the campaign and all that good stuff. But anywho, um, yeah, I uh, I can appreciate all additions to a degree, although I don't know much about the pre three point ones for the most part. Um, but yeah, fifth edition is by far and away my favorite. Um, I like, uh, you know, Ben was talking earlier about how it was very simple in original Dungeons and Dragons, and then over time it just kind of bloated up. And um, I, th- I feel like fifth, it captures some of the magic and fun of the earlier stuff uh, from what I've learned about the early stuff. And um, kind of pre bloat. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's enough there's there's enough customization there without it feeling overwhelming. It's yeah. really friendly to new players without having the same pitfalls that fourth edition did. I'd like to point out one thing about bloat, though. Give it time. <laughs> yeah, it will bloat. Right. It's a Wizards of the Coast uh, of property. Right. Uh, yeah. To be <laughs> fair, uh, fifth edition is relatively recent. It just came out in uh, was it two years ago? Yeah, it was about two years ago um, when the when the core books came out. Which means sixth edition is probably coming out in a couple months. Oh <laughs> uh, no! Uh, I usually try. They, they rushed fifth edition out the out the door because fourth edition because everybody hated fourth edition and was jumping yeah. to the pies. Yeah, everyone three five everyone jumped on three five Pathfinder. Pathfinder bandwagon. Yeah, well, and yeah, Pathfinder. See, it's almost like Paizo doesn't want to make money. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, here, play your shit. But hey, that's the thing I like. That's one of the things I like about Pathfinder is I bought one set of books. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about buying Pathfinder 2.0. And let me just put in a good word for Pathfinder here. You have the core rulebook that is like two books in one. Yeah, it is the DMG. And it is essentially the, the PHB and the DMG and combined, the which is really nice to have in yeah. one book at an affordable price. Yeah. And it costs twice as much as a regular book, but, but yeah, not as much as three books. Anyways. Yep. <laughs> so well, I guess you have to get so a separate piece here. So <laughs> are you also on the Pathfinder bandwagon or fifth um, ed? Or okay, uh, the way the way I go, I look at it from two points of view. Mm-hmm. As a player, some of my best characters uh, came out of second edition. Um, my wizard and thief uh, combo. Uh, Jack and Varwolf. I played those uh, in in second edition. Um, some of my best characters have come from that. Um, as a GM, as a player, I like some the the flexibility of Pathfinder, but again, I don't have the emotional attachment to it, and it's purely emotional yeah. uh, that I have to second edition because sure. I played it for so many years. Yeah, um, played characters through it and created some of the most memorable characters. Some of which have made it into books. Sinrea. Yeah. Um, uh, Sinrea. Uh, the you know, the uh, the succubus or the cambion from uh, from the Demons of Prentice was actually a, a character I played in a friend's home. I thought she appeared initially in Page of Swords. 
Uh, no, she actually appeared in, in Demons of Prince. Yeah. Uh, she was. By the way, read Ben's book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, additional uh, additional uh, plugs. <laughs> Page of Swords. Uh, uh, Demons of Prince. Page of Swords. Uh, she's appeared Charm- in uh, almost every one of them except for Charm School. Um, but uh, she was a she was a home a drinking room. problem. Uh, you missed. Huh? <laughs> the, she was. Well, that's a, expensive gin too. Yeah. Oh man, that's <laughs> alcohol abuse. Uh, anyways. Um, she, you know, she was a character I played in a homebrew uh, class for a campaign. Uh, it was in second edition from a you know, friend of mine for a long time. So emotionally, that's my attachment is to second edition. As a GM, I enjoyed Pathfinder, but fifth edition is so much easier to just plug and play. Um, you know, converting Pathfinder over to fifth edition, you know, pretty easy. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was, so th- that's my, that's my two entries on that. Right. Um, you know, is that I like Pathfinder, but I love, uh, you know, running the fifth edition. I'm going to be noisy for a second. I'm sorry, I'm hungry and this is my house. <laughs> <laughs> it's my studio, damn it. It's not professional, but neither is drinking on the job. So. There you go. <laughs> so about you, what's your favorite editions? Uh, it is between Pathfinder and 5th, uh, depending on situation. I started Pathfinder while it was still in beta, uh, and I instantly fell in love with it. It took everything that was great about 3.5 and improved on the things that was bad about 3.5. Uh, you could literally have an entire party of the same class, and they all still be different. I still Which, want to play a game where everyone's path where everyone's a paladin, so that they can then at some point kill an innocent baby rock, and then I can say rock rock dies, everybody falls. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to do like everybody play rogues, do like sort of an Ocean's Eleven thing where everybody's <laughs> a different type of rogue. That'd be fun. <laughs> uh, but then when I started, I was looking into 5th edition when it was still called D&D Next, right. and I was actually part of the playtest for it, so I got to see the development of it, and from the first release that they came out with for the playtest, I was immediately falling in love with it. Like, it's really really easy, but not like... It's streamlined it's, it's without not, feeling dumbed down. Yeah, which it, is a tough, uh, tough yeah, it doesn't um, feel like wire to you know balance across, yeah. needle to thread. So it, it just comes down to I love both systems a lot. I yeah. have a lot of fond memories already of even though I've only been playing Fifth Ed for a little while, I have a lot of fond memories of Pathfinder and Fifth Ed. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially with Flatnet, <coughs> and it really comes down to when I go to play a game. What do we want out of that game? And that helps determine which system would be better for it. The same right. thing with DMing. If I'm DMing a smaller group, I don't mind Pathfinder. But if I'm DMing a group right. like as big as ours, yeah. Pathfinder really slows it down because of all the random numbers. Yeah, I feel like when, once you get into five players and up, fifth edition is so much more manageable than Pathfinder. Unless you're playing a game where everyone just knows their numbers. Yeah, yeah but you could say that about a lot of systems. If everyone knows what they're doing... Yeah. Then yes, obviously. And the thing about the open gaming license, Wizards is doing that again with Fifth Ed. It's slowly building. Well, the OGL is open for Fifth Ed. It's the, not fully. Maybe not fully. I mean, it won't be either. Uh, there already is an SRD that is slowly building 
Well, I guess there's a. It's a question of tense. Uh, are doing is accurate. Have done would not be. So I think right. you made the distinction, which is fair. Yeah. And yes, right. some of it is out there. It's it's and, I, and interestingly enough, um, they're they're adding stuff to roll twenty as well, like mines of uh, yeah. Falander or yeah. How however the hell you well, pronounce that. Well, roll twenty is officially partnered with Wizards of the Coast. Right. So they're going to be providing a lot of content on there. Um, and then they opened up the DMs Guild where anybody could make homebrew stuff and put it on there either for free or pay what you want. Or if you want to be a turd about it, you could set a specific price for it. By the way, I found it funny that uh, we're talking about OGLs. Um, you know, the, the very fact that they have the OGL in third edition days led to their direct downfall yep. by Pathfinder doing it better than them. So there's a certain ironic symmetry yeah, going on and there. Pathfinder has. So much stuff out there too. Very much, and a lot of it you can't tell whether it's Paizo or not, yeah. unless you look for that yeah. OGL logo, like the Psionics book they came out with. A lot of people saw it and said, <coughs> "It's not Paizo. I'm not gonna allow it." But then people started reading it and said, "This is actually really well written. It look it feels like something Paizo actually would have done." Right. So it seems like we, although we have our own like personal like you know histories and preferences and everything. It seems like more or less we have a loose consensus that Pathfinder and Fifth Edition are generally yeah, superior they're, they're systems. Good systems. Um, yeah. yeah, and Fourth Edition is good as what it, at what it is, and I can see Wookie shuddering in his mind. Um, <coughs> no, I agree with exactly with what you said about right. Fourth Ed. It's just when I think tabletop RPG, I don't think an MMO made into paper. When I, what, by That's the way, why I hated it. it yeah. was World of Warcraft made into a tabletop just as a quick game. aside here. What I, what I can say, uh, what I can appreciate about Fourth Edition is that. It was very newbie friendly, yes. uh, which helped me get into it as a whole. Whereas now I'm grateful that Fifth Edition has that same appeal without sacrificing mm-hmm. the quality. Yeah, yeah, the the versatility and you know theme that I feel it should have. So yes, yes edition talk. I had just gotten, unlocked. I had just gotten into casters when Fourth Ed came out. So first thing I made in it was uh, a wizard for a spell I took. I'm sorry, magic missile. Do <laughs> not feel special. Oh, and you had to roll the hit. Exactly. Magic Missile's yeah. always been an auto that, that's, They that's, fixed that, that's, actually. That's they, they came out with a different version of Magic Missile that okay. auto-hit. <laughs> now, see, this is something that, that I... Okay, this gets into character things. Um, one of the things that I liked about 2nd Edition and earlier editions was the fact that Lightning Bolts ricocheted and, and Fireballs expanded to their maximum size. Um, so they had to fill a certain number of squares on the map. So if you did it in a hallway, if it was a narrow hallway, it could go the entire hallway. It could go, yeah, because if it was a narrow enough hallway, you know, you could you could fill the entire hallway. Uh, I had a character at one point who had a uh, magic item that was from a uh, actual um, TSR. I think it was or, uh, it was called the Sword of the Dales that would reflect lightning bolts. That's awesome. Oh, it was. He was. Yeah. yeah. He would walk into a room. He was a mage. Uh, he would walk into a room holding the sword and fire off a lightning bolt in a small room. Um, and at one point, um, he, of course, he was also like a pool shark with that lightning bolt. Um, <laughs> he would. He would Half aim a quarter pocket. <laughs> pretty much. We had at one point we were fighting uh, a group of uh, group of giants. And we had split in a hallway. There was a hallway between us. So, because they knew he could fire lightning bolts. So they had split on the other side of us and were waiting to attack us on 
at the other end. So we come up to where the two um, hallways were reconverging, and basically he fires a lightning bolt at the at the column, bounces it, and goes straight through a line of fire giants that were waiting on the other side. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it was like, damn, I'm good. You know, it's like bouncing a grenade off the wall. Um, and, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to kind of interrupt here, mm-hmm. um, but actually talking about. Fun stories from D anD D is another episode, right? Yeah, that's, sorry. Saying, that's, that's how those rules, <laughs> you know, uh, you, you could bounce a lightning bolt through a room and you know and wipe out a group of people. You could you know throw a fireball into a small space and you know expand and blow up. And then, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, it only goes this far, right? Yeah. Or it, it, uh, ah, damn. See, as the DM though, and like you said, they're just guidelines. You right. Exactly. Those, like you did something similar with that when. Flatnag did a fireball recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we uh, were. And I like to rule that way. If you do no, a fireball in a small, oh, the room, airburst fireball, yeah, yeah. It's like, right. Oh yeah. If you do a fireball in a small room, uh, depending on circumstance, a lot of times I won't even allow a deck save just because how are you getting right? Are you avoiding yeah, because you're not Neo. It? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So well, I always said you put the move on it by moving your head slightly to the right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, if you have in fifth ed, if you have that shield master feat, then yes, you still get the deck save. Yeah, so you yeah. Can get dark behind your shield, but right. nobody else is going to avoid that. So since we're we're getting into spells and special abilities and stuff, do you want to do a quick round table on the favorite class? Um, I think yes, favorite class or favorite spell. Favorite one of those two things. I don't have a favorite spell. Mm. Favorite class. Yeah. Oh, God, my favorite class. Regardless of system, Rogue, I think, will always be my absolute favorite. Yeah. Uh, For a long time, I would never try mages. It's like, oh, they're too complicated. Yeah. It's not going to be fun. I have to do homework. (laughs) Uh, And the first time I played a wizard, I absolutely loved it. Um, Especially in Pathfinder and Fit That. I love sorcerers and wizards both I think it's my ultimate top yeah Um, if we're talking base classes uh, the monk is my favorite class Uh, I've always loved the archetype of the kung fu master but I thought I'd get a little bit esoteric because I have ridiculous system knowledge of 3-5 say that my favorite class despite it not being all that good was initiated the arcane order um, which was essentially a school wizard like working at a school and their special mechanic was this thing called the spell pool where they could have unprepared spell slots and just yoink spells out of the spell pool and throw them around like a spontaneous caster without having to know them that's cool um it wasn't a very good class because in order to be able to yoink spells out of the spell pool you had to pay it back and you had to pay it back like twice the number of spell levels you Joint and uh, so magical student loans, basically. Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> what's what's more fun than putting student loans into D? Somewhat apropos, but I've always liked the flavor and the the interestingness of the spell pool and the initiative of the arcane order. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't ever actually a. It just there are better choices. Right. Like uh, a student that did not a bad student that didn't realize its full potential. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But yeah, monks, uh, if, if we're talking just base classes, yeah. monks all the way, uh, even though they're uh, not as powerful as everyone thinks they are. They can well, be, if you know what you're doing. Well, they can be, <laughs> yes, but everyone thinks the Oh, class God, bl- yeah. banned monks, they're too OP. It's, no, it's not like, they aren't. It's not like the, uh, was it, second edition psionics, that once they got so high, they were gods. 
Yeah. <laughs> or like the third edition psionics, where once they hit level three, they could do anything. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Wow. So what about you, Mike? So, um, well, I have an obvious answer, Bard. Um, I, I do uh, I do love rogues, though, and there's a special place in my heart for the rogue class because that was the first class I officially played in an official D&D tabletop game as opposed to rolling one on Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter Nights or whatever. Uh, and it's still definitely up there in my top classes. I love it. But Bard, um, I have fallen in love with him recently. Um, both I, I love both the Pathfinder and the 5th edition iterations of them. Does that have anything to do with a gnome? Uh, well, you know... There's that. Uh, I, I do have some inter- Quick, internet, the bo- internet famous. Uh, <laughs> I have a, you know some internet famous inspiration there. I guess you could say. But um, well, um, in Pathfinder, um, they're great and everything. I love the whole concept of bardic knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Fifth Edition, they're they're great too, just in, in different ways. Um, I kind of like the idea. Um, I kind of like the, sh- the shift in bards uh, when you compare Pathfinder to Fifth Edition in the sense that. And Pathfinder is all very much about, hey, start a performance and maintain that performance. And yeah. it felt like you're a little bit tethered to what you're doing. And it was a little more like, oh, well, you better stay out of the way lest you screw up your performance and then let down the party. Whereas with 5th uh, edition, they have the mechanic called Bardic Inspiration. And uh, as a bonus action, you just inspire one person instead of performing a general thing for the entire group. And that way, um, and especially with College of Valor, which I chose for my Bardic College, you can get up there and mix it up and just do whatever, and you can be a little more fearless and unpredictable. And I honestly, I think that's one of the big draws of uh, playing a bard is being unpredictable and being a jack of all trades and all that stuff. You can swash more buckles. Indeed, mm-hmm. indeed. I, I love to swash buckles. So, um, yeah, I just... Um, and, and another important thing, too, to realize is they're now full spellcaster progression. Yeah. That's a new thing for bards. They were never. They were always kind of a hybrid class, like a paladin or something. Where yes, you had some spells, but you weren't like a full-on wizard or whatever. Bards are their own thing with full-on spell progression, and they just have such an interesting variety of spells that I feel that you know they're very customizable in the sense that okay, well, with a wizard or sorcerer, you know, you're generally speaking, you're going to have these kinds of spells. As a cleric, you're generally going to have these kinds of spells. But in a bardic spell list, uh, I'm just going to be referencing fifth edition for this, but um, they have everything from um, they have everything from healing spells to utility spells to damaging spells. Vicious mockery. Yeah, vicious mockery. That, that had to be made for bards. Oh yeah, I mean it's yeah, the it's ultimate cool. bard spell, really. And for those who aren't in the know, you mock someone so terribly they actually take psychic damage and may even die if they're low on hit points. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Insult them to death. So that's always fun coming up with a, a zinger to uh, wail on your enemies with. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have, you know, they have pretty much all kinds of paths they can go, and they're just a lot of fun to play. Right. I played one bard, um, sort of. It was a 3-5 alternate that was in Dragon Magazine called the Jester. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> Basically, uh, the Jester. They they got an AC bonus because they're just so ridiculous that enemies didn't take them seriously. They couldn't focus, or they, yeah. Yeah, they didn't give and it their all. And it had something similar <laughs> to cutting words and vicious mockery where you can actually cause penalties on people by insulting them and telling right. jokes i loved it and the spider-man so effect so i it. believe thy cod piece is stuffed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i just recently was uh, telling you earlier about all that unearthed arcana stuff that i found for fifth ed one of them was a new bard college called satire it's basically the jester I'm oh. I'm looking that up immediately after the show. I will send right. it to you when I get home. <laughs> if I play a bard, that will be the bard I play. <laughs> nice. They're hard to lie to. I'd like really to see yeah. to. Those kind of things too. Right. So for me, I don't know because I'm I'm sorcerer is growing on me, 
Um, what is sorcerer? sorcerer? Okay, it sounded like you said uh, sosure. I'm sorcerer. like, what's a sosure? Susu Studio. Susu Studio. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, like that. Um, but uh, because you because of random. Um, but I think with um, random is a that character. is a player character he, name. Yeah, so ran- that sentence makes sense. Random is a player character that Ben is playing in a game that is not recorded and you will never hear about. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, with Pathfinder and Fifth Edition, Rogues have have had a resurgence for me as my favorite character because. I never liked the idea originally of playing someone who says, hi, I'm a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but with rogues in where you can put in other skills, as uh, Wookiee has found when he's run for me, um, I can play something else entirely, and or I can play a rogue and claim I'm something else entirely and have the skills to pull it off. And with the introduction of finesse weapons, yeah. <laughs> you know, rogues You're now posing as a bard, right? Yeah, and then eventually actually took level. Yeah, actually ended up yeah <laughs> turning the lie into truth, um, the truth into the lie. Yeah, but <laughs> I've always liked the idea of saying, you know, because one of my one of my parents has always been saying I'm a cook, and with rogues in Pathfinder and Fifth Edition, you can say, oh no, I'm something else. Mm-hmm. And pull it off. I'm actually a paladin. <laughs> Pretty much, just about. Reminds me of the three five class uh, charlatan who mm-hmm. was was a prestige class for rogues who got spell like abilities based off of their ability to convince people that they were able to cast spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's great. That's why part of what I like about the background mechanic of Fifth Ed is that yeah. you can have a fighter with stealth. Because of how they grew yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And that, by the way, Charlatan is a background in 5th edition. Yeah. Which is one of my, I think it's probably my personal favorite background. It's just a lot of fun. Which, which one thing I like about that is that it allows you to play a character as opposed to a class. Right. Uh, taking my own as, as an example, I'm playing a sorcerer, but she's a total con woman. Right. You know, and that's how people see her. And what's cool is, you know, it can be, uh, it can build some depth and it, and it can eliminate mm-hmm. some of the uh, ham-fisted cliches. Like, not every fighter is a soldier. Not every bard is an entertainer. I mean, Arlo is, but that's besides the point. <laughs> right. Well, it's like Leon. Leon is the, uh, you know, Leon's build has the uh, folk hero. Yeah. You know, and we've played to that. Right. Leon, Leon, Leon's not a fighter. He's a mercenary. Leon is not a fighter, he's a professional. Exactly. Yes, I completely stole the name from the movie. Um, <laughs> but, but, so where's but your uh, young uh, Natalie Portman? So Five that's Five Nag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you walked into that you one. You did not buddy. see that. <laughs> Except Five Nag doesn't want to sleep with you. <laughs> yeah, <Ew. well. laughs> yeah, my Leon's not French either. So. Um, he doesn't man, I've been milk. throwing just all shade at the French today. I am sorry anyone listening from France. I don't actually hate you. You're just easy to make fun of. <laughs> But uh, only get letters. <laughs> <laughs> All six people who listen to us are. <laughs> hey, but, our Facebook page took off, man. This is true. This is true. By the way, check us out on our Facebook page. Uh, we are at Geek. We, we are founded our Geek Fanthology. Right. If yes, I know. I keep shamelessly promoting things. We also have a Patreon. You should look at it at uh, Patreon.com/slash Working Theory. But you'll hear that in the outro anyway. 
Go to the Facebook page and everything will be plugged for you. Pre-plugged right. for your convenience. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? I mean, because I've played D&D for a long time. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's kind of like our gateway. This episode's going to go long, by the way. Just get used to it now. <laughs> I'm saying that to the up to the listening audience. Uh, what I'll do actually here, um, Ben, I'm going to catch you off for just a second. I'm going to put input a little bit of just uh, music so someone can get up and use the can or whatever. Also, this is a good place to be able to find us. We're at the just about the one-hour mark. So uh, here is a little bit of music. And we're back. Through the magic of editing, it seems like only three seconds have passed for us. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sorry, Ben. Now, what were you saying? Well, uh, D&D has kind of been is kind of the gateway uh, for a lot of us. For a lot of old old school gamers, it was the gateway to things like Gamble World and... Um, Gamma World. <laughs> yeah, Gamma World. Uh, My thing is, I played a lot of esoteric games, game types too. I played Gamma World. <laughs> I've played GURPS. I've played. Uh, oh man. Yeah, Gamma World, GURPS, Palladium. Um, I played a lot of Rollmaster in high school. Rollmaster. I felt so. I was so appreciative, but felt so bad for my DM for that because it had so many books. Uh, <laughs> there were charts based on. You're using this weapon versus this kind of armor. You roll your attack based on the result and the difference between your defense. I'm and sorry, but that sounds like homework. And it would tell. It, yeah. it was, but he well, was like a master at it. Yeah, because you had your attack and their defense. Whatever you beat it by, you would then compare that to a chart for their armor and your weapon, and it would tell you the effect, like how much damage you do, whether they're bleeding or whatever. Yeah, yeah. you managed to cut off an arm. Yeah, well, he, he you was know, a pro at it. You roll, and then he would immediately. Okay, that's right here. All right, you did that. Yeah, it was, you gotta wonder how much of it he was, he was making up. Uh, uh, um, well, that's on part the spot. of the that's part of the magic of DMing. Well, I sat by <laughs> him because I wanted to learn. To, that's how I got into interested in DMing was watching him do it. And yeah. he didn't fudge any of it. Hmm, that's impressive. But then, yeah, I mean that that led to things like oh man, the eighties were huge for games. Uh, Twilight two thousand, um, which was. Uh, and then Aftermath, uh, Morrow Project. So yeah, things like Traveler and Rifts. One of these days I do want to play a Morrow Project game with you. Yeah. Uh, Morrow Project, yeah, Morrow Project goes back to the 70s. Kevin Dockery. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was... Um, I haven't played a lot of systems, like Beats of Masterminds, a little bit of Marvel, and then the different D&Ds, Pathfinder, and then all but the West End version of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm told I wasn't missing much by not playing West End. <laughs> eh, I mean, I, I think it's all right. Camera, was that the one that that ran uh, that ran Pure D six? Yes, the West End one. Yeah. Actually, a, a friend of mine played that and actually had a lot of fun. I've, well, I've heard people say that it was fun to play. It just didn't have a lot of option. West End games. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't have as much option for character development and like you basically. It's kind of like how second edition and earlier D&D was, where you were just playing this stereotype from this fandom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was the Han Solo type, the Luke type, except yeah. there were no Jedi early on. Right. Yeah. Eventually they added it, but. And you know that's the thing is I enjoyed it when there were when there was not a proliferation of Jedi. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, I think Edge, Edge of the Empire handles that quite nicely. Yeah. yeah every yeah, Star Wars game I've played where there is where Jedi is an option, there is one standing rule that I completely stole from Moa Antweiler, which is either all, all Jedi or, or no Jedi. Jedi. All of them. Yeah. yeah. That's a good rule of thumb. I like yeah. that for the most part, except sometimes I like having one. It's like having a paladin. In the party, it, yeah, yeah, it's the contents of the group. Well, you could you could have a force sensitive character that's not necessarily a Jedi, and you can right. still have that dynamic. Yeah, right. And well, see, that doesn't make them a paladin Jedi have that code. Yeah, but well, yeah, uh, it also I guess you can be force sensitive and be. It also evil. depends on your setting. <laughs> yeah, if, if, then, you're, you know, if you're doing Rise of the Empire, yeah, there's going to be a lot of Jedi. If you're doing the Galactic Civil War. There's barely any, if any, Jedi right. yeah. that should be playable. Yeah, and anybody that shows up with Force powers is, you know, hunted by the Yeah, but um, I'd like to actually uh, eventually. Uh, right now, we have the three different games alternating on Sundays. Eventually, I would like to run Star Wars. I don't know yet whether it'd be Into the Empire or Saga. I still really like Saga. It just depends on what kind. I of figure game. once we get done with a game, I would really like to run. Either Cyberpunk 2020 or Shadowrun. Or Shadowrun. <laughs> I would um, vote for Shadowrun. Yeah, we'll <laughs> I think everyone Shadowrun. is voting for Shadowrun. Because um, I would to. love to play in a, in, a cyber, in a Cyberpunkopolis. Punkopolis. You like to play or run? I'd like to play and run. But, right. um, I was going to say, I, I would buy you beer every week. <laughs> but, <laughs> if, but, if, but here's the thing if, if, I have an op- if I have the opportunity to get. To be involved in a Shadowrun game, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, also, kind of want, want to run Red Markets for you guys, but that's something that can be done right. much more one-offish, anyway. Right. So, let's tangents. Get back to D&D. Yes. Get back to D&D. <laughs> Sorry. There's a lot of. I think there's a lot of influences that, that post. You know, that have showed up in D and D. I mean, the the base the base is always going to go back to Tolkien. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, halflings don't show Thank up in any you, other... John Robert Rule. <laughs> yeah, halflings don't show up in any other setting than you know there because everybody else has to try and build off something else. Uh, you know, turn the gnomes into halflings or something. There is like that. that one jackass who claimed that Tolkien stole his idea for the Hobbit. He had another yeah. book. He had, yeah. he had a book that he had supposedly written and just didn't publish it till after the Hobbit came out. He claimed Tolkien stole it. It was practically the same story. So uh, you're talking about, um, you know, we're kind of talking about different settings and mm-hmm. gateway and all that. That could be a se- segue for a favorite, favorite setting. setting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because that is the other big thing I really want to hit on. Yes, this is a long episode, um, so this will probably be the last thing we uh, pick up. But favorite setting from D and D, I would like to go last. Very well. I will. So, I will kick things off. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Volunteer. Yeah. And these are published settings, not homebrews. Right. Right. Yeah. Published settings. I mean, if we were doing homebrews, then we'd all have to suck up to Ben and say air off. Uh, <laughs> a great merciful DM. Uh, so yeah, for me, it's it's kind of by default, which I guess you know it's not very flattering for the setting, but I think it's a great setting regardless, and that's Forgotten Realms. Um, like I said earlier, um, a lot of my early influence before I actually played D and D officially tabletop were Forgotten Realms settings. Uh, you know, Icewind Dales up in the north, and of course Baldur's Gate, iconic, large, cosmopolitan, interesting city with intrigue, etc. Nobody always uh, moved. Yes, yes. <laughs> All that fun stuff, a lot of great characters in that one. Um, and of course, Neverwinter, uh, again, along the Sword Coast in the north. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm running a, uh, a uh, game in Forgotten Realms along the Sword Coast right now, and that's uh, another nice little thing is the Sword Coast Adventures Guide in 5th Edition is a great little book, which is a fun setting book. So yeah, Forgotten Realms is my favorite. Shameless plugs, all right. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, 
But I do, you know, I do enjoy what I've seen and read of some other settings, like Eberron is interesting and uh, Ravenloft is, is excellent. I've just started to dip my toe in the Curse of Strahd uh, pool, and uh, so I'm loving Ravenloft. Oh, Ravenloft. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I like gothic horror type stuff anyway, because I was a GM hunter, so there you go. Uh, so yeah, I, would, I guess the breakdown for me is uh, number one is Forgotten Realms, and uh, close second is Ravenloft, and uh, you know, as I diversify a bit, we'll We'll maybe revisit the, the list later. So for me, wow. Um, there's been so many. There's been so many. Been right? many, yeah. Many, many. <clears throat> well, see, I started off in Greyhawk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little bit Greyhawk. Yeah, I actually ended up, at one point, uh, I ended up uh, ruling a, uh, a country. Um, and I can't remember which one it was. How many times have you ever have you played the Assault on Castle Greyhawk? That's the question. Uh, never Assault on Castle Greyhawk. Was the uh, country you ruled uh, Latvario? No. Uh, that was in Marvel, anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's, that's, that's the uh, that's Ben the Von Doom. Doom. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, um, so yeah, I mean, I have, a, I have a strong attachment to Greyhawk, but really, I, I, I've got to go back to Forgotten Realms. I, I've played characters that have, you know, uh, adventured the, the breadth of the Forgotten Realms from Cormier to the Sword Coast uh, to the Dales, um, you know, into the Underdark. Um, and, you know, thank you, Ed Greenwood, for, you know, for... Yes. That, I, I've never run across a realm that was that... You Greenwood know, that, did a great job. Yeah. He, oh, man. And I mean, then Salvatore. No, but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and Salvatore went underneath <laughs> the Forgotten Realms. And, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was so diverse because you had oh, yeah. almost every, you had almost every, um, you know, every um, culture out there, um, you know, and you could import things from pretty much any one of them. Right. Um, and put them anywhere you wanted. Yeah, in Greyhawk, uh, I mean, in Forgotten Realms, um, and Greenwood just built this. It was like it was like a fractal, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, it just it just kind of it, it expanded fractally. I mean, you you go into the Dales, not just Icewind Dale, but with Daggerdale and all Shadow the Dales, Dale. yeah, Shadow Dales and this Dale, that Dale. Um, you had this entire set of cultures. This entire set of, of you know a political intrigue, and then you go down to Cormier, and you have professional adventurers. Uh, we have to have a license to be an adventurer, uh, you know, which which we did at one point. Um, I love that concept because there are so many murder hobos out there that it kind of sounds like a good idea, yeah. right? Uh, we kind of inspired some of the homebrews, uh, and then you know, then you go to the Sword Coast, and oh my God, up and down the Sword Coast, you've got. You know everything. Everything. Yeah. Stuff most people know. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the most well known. Me, aspect. I always like to say you should go east and visit they, but uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. And I ran a game that that ended up in that ended up overthrowing Thay actually because it was a it was a high epic campaign. They fought Saz Tom as the final boss and lost. I, I <laughs> one of my characters was originally supposed to be a red wizard of Thay and ran away. <laughs> you know, was in disguise. Um, so it was, yeah. I mean, but that, that's the thing is you've got you've got uh, 
gentle keep. You got the harbors. I mean, it's just like Ed Greenwood is, you know, is like this anthropology project all on the, uh, on his own. Yeah. Uh, you don't. I have never seen even Eberron as as cool as it is. Seems rather simplistic. Yeah. Planescape is the only thing I've seen that has been anywhere close to that. And even that, you're still, you're, you're it's still kind of like the sophomore to give me time. But are you done? Sorry. Uh, but yeah, I mean that, that's the thing is I, I think mm-hmm. the complexity, the depth, um, you know, of of um, the Forgotten Realms. I mean, if there was an Academy Award for Game Realms, Ed Greenwood deserves it. Yeah. I'm not going to go last anymore because Ben set me up very nicely. (laughs) My favorite game setting is a toss-up between Dark Sun and Planescape. I played in a 3X upscaled version of Planescape for a very long time. Also played Planescape Torment. And I love Sigil. I used to be fluent in Planar Cant. Now I can understand it pretty well, but I can't, but I can't conjure to it very, very easy. Um, but, <laughs> yes, I used to actually be able to speak, uh, you know, cage, cage talk. Um, and if I worked at it for a while, I could probably get back into the mindset, but I'm not going to try. Um, I love Sigil because, um, and, and I, I normally just think of Sigil when I think of Planescape. Um, right. Yes, you get to go everywhere else, but that's the beauty of it. You go everywhere else, but everywhere else is also connected and tied to Sigil. Um, so the thing I like I liked so much about Planescape was the fact that you could go anywhere. You could end up on Greyhawk or Forgotten Realms. You can have adventures in other settings and have them be... Uh, Bloody primals and not 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 being able you know not having enough worms to what have you, um, <laughs> and then you just go back to and then you go back to the cage and then you start somewhere else. Um, and also one of my favorite uh, literary devices is the lady, um, because you can do so many things with her. Um, oh my! <laughs> no. <laughs> um, the Lady of Pain. Well, so, you know, some people are into that. Yes. Um, <laughs> Double O-Y. Dungeons, dungeons may be involved in that scenario as well. There's Indeed. actually an entire book dedicated to it. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I really love uh, Planescape. The other, but I couldn't really pick between Planescape and Dark Sun because Dark Sun is as close as you can get without playing the, uh, at least in my mind, it's the closest that you can get Without playing the direct um, version of Dying Earth that was written into a into a uh, into a uh, game setting and, and, and rule set to be playing Dying Earth, um, the world of Athos, which is Dark Sun, uh, is really cool. Also, I've always been a fan of Psionics, so I like Psionic heavy campaign settings. Um, yes, it's easy to bust Psionics wide open, which is why. So, oh, let me get it straight. You're a power gamer and you love psionics. Uh, two completely separate things. I like psionics way before I, way before I was anywhere good enough at the system to be able to break to be a fair enough system. Psionics were his gateway. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, um, but at the same time, um, 
I, I like I like the idea of psionics, which is magic without being magic. Um, yeah. Psychic powers is fun. And also I like the whole, you know, the, the, the mage kings of, uh, the mage king of Tyr, except he was dead. Um, and how magic broke the world and is slowly destroying everything. It's Dying Earth. Right. Um, which, fantastic books, should read Tales of the Dying Earth. Um, but... <laughs> And songs of the dying earth, and etc. Um, and I, I don't know. I've, I've always liked that. I also really like the Thrykeen. The Thrykeen. The Thrykeen. Uh, Thrykeen. Can never pr- pr- pronounce it. The correctly. bugs. Yeah, the, the forearm bug guys. <laughs> right. um, yeah, they're pretty cool. The forearm mantis guys. Um, but yeah, I love multi weapon fighting. Multi weapon fighting is fun, um, <laughs> and not just because it's broken. Uh, <laughs> Actually, it's really hard to do right, um, but in any case. Uh, yeah. Um, either Planescape or uh, Dark Sun, just for... I, because they're a little bit... Because both of them are a little more grim and gritty. Um, yeah, they They're not nearly... They're, I mean, Athos is pretty damn grimdark. Um, um, Sigil, uh, Planescape Sigil is very urban and, and very, very grungy. Right. Um, uh, of course, neither of them are nearly as grimdark as Ravenloft, but that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> yep. But I, I can see the appeal of them, because I really can. Yeah. I like, I mean, that's also why I really like World of Darkness. Um, I like the more, um, I like, I like my power fantasy just fine, but I, I like the, man, we're all kind of screwed, uh, ness that you get with. Well, I think there, there's a certain specialness, uh, certain wonder of people who know they're screwed and continue to fight Han anyway. There's yeah. a certain romanticism to that. Sure. Whereas with Dungeons and Dragons and a lot of like you know vanilla settings, it's just like, hey, high high sorcery and swords, and we we're adventurers and we go around and we kill things and we get loot and look at us, we're awesome. Now, granted, it doesn't have to be that way, but it can very easily be that way. If you have the right DM, it could be. Yeah. We're screwed at every point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it tends to right. it tends to dissolve, right. devolve frequently into yes into ha 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 into I am excellent. Yes. Let's go kill everyone. More of the story, <laughs> just be a hard ass DM. Yeah. Right. Or at more really, actually, the moral of the story is make the game the way your players want to play. I'm being facetious. I mean, mm-hmm. fun yet challenging. Yep. You want to run a game for me? Yeah, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think is story... been taking notes over. Here? <laughs> no, I think story has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Game. Well, he's a big fan of Lady of Pain, so I guess it goes with that saying, right? So, what about you, Wookie? Oh, jeez. Uh... Not necessarily a favorite, but would Star Jammers be considered a set Spell Jammers? Reaching spell jammers. Yeah, spell jammers. Oh, yeah. Spell Jammers. Second yeah. edition in space was so fun. In, in space. space! I mean, I didn't get to do it, I didn't <laughs> get to do it very long, but I remember that in one of the books, there was like the equivalent of the Marvel symbiote or the Giver. Oh, that's nice. That's there was cool. like multiples of these different monsters you could fight that were reminiscent of... 80s sci-fi stuff and yeah. 80s sci-fi stuff and mind flayers in space Ooh, that's, yeah that's uh, a very nasty concept. and the idea of yeah. mages casting into a tube and it turning into a giant blast instead <laughs> of actually having cannons on the ship right yeah uh, and when well, in doubt a space wizard did it yeah that was one of my my first loves as far as settings go i started in greyhawk um as far as known worlds i started in greyhawk don't remember shit about it <laughs> 
I am. Uh, it's kind of gray. And there's a hawk involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember what the gold looked like because it was on in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really well, liked. Uh, I, mean, I had this one. Really liked Galarian. Um, didn't get really into it yeah. too much. Galarian's a great setting too. Um, Pathfinder every, for those who aren't aware. Practically every Pathfinder game I played was in Galarian. Uh, but I actually have Forgotten one of the Realms old paperback Spelljammer books. So, <laughs> Faerun is the proper name for Forgotten Realms, right? Yeah, Faerun. Faerun is the main continent. Yeah. Okay. So Forgotten Realms plans technically a yeah had memorial. such an impact on me as a D and D player that it actually got me to read some of the books. Right. That I saw it. Like I read, um, I read the basically the origin story of. Elminster, who is my favorite NPC to ever come out of Forgotten Elminster Realms. was yeah. not an NPC. Well, for me, he was. Yeah. I... <laughs> PC who became NPC. Yeah. Well, he's like he's like Mordenkainen. Uh, Mordenkainen was originally the character run by Gary motherfucking Gygax. Which is why he has all these spells named after him. Yes. Right? <laughs> Which, by the way, fun little, uh, fun little tidbit, they brought that back for 5th edition, the Mordenkainen's yes. fill-in-the-blank I, well, I enjoyed that. couldn't use those names. Well, Mordenkainen yes. is, uh, is copywritten now by Wizards of the Coast. Like Hasbro. Handy but did they did they games. use those in a fourth edition though? The Mordenkainen name? I don't think uh, they did. They some things were still Mordenkainen. Oh, okay. like it was still Mordenkainen's sword. It's just a little less prevalent. Oh, they got rid of a lot of stuff for fourth ed. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I think it's still Mordenkainen. So I read the origin yeah. story for Elminster. Um, I read the graphic novel versions of the origin story for uh, Dreads. Or Drizzt, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. This is the GIF or JIF debate all over again. Yeah. I pronounce it JIF. <laughs> Just so <laughs> nobody yeah. can be happy. <laughs> Excellent. So I've read, I've read all that. I read all I read the Elminster stuff. And I love playing in the, I've played just about every game they've made um, that was set in Forgotten Realms, including one, I can't remember what system it was on, but it was called Demonstone, where the narrator was Patrick Stewart. <laughs> and I'm sold. Um, I, there was a part of it where you could actually unlock Driss to play. Oh, wow. So you could play as him temporarily. And just, it, this, just the world in general, I had, uh, to me, I hadn't seen so much involvement in a world since Middle Earth. Yeah. So we're all in agreement that Forgotten Realms is freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. is the quintessential iconic D&D yeah, setting. Yeah, to be fair, point. it is freaking awesome. It's actually, mo- I would say it's really the setting that most people think of when they think of right. D&D, whether they realize it or not. Right. Yeah, everyone will, will live forever because And of... soon I will be hopefully running Middle-Earth and 5th Ed because of the uh, Cubicle 7 releasing the 5th Ed Middle-Earth books. Ah, yes. Kind of looking forward to that. Very excited, yes. I'm going to read. Yeah. Uh, so, um, we did go long. Uh, gentlemen, do we have any final thoughts? Well, I want to go back to something I came through earlier. Yeah. D&D originally, back in the 70s, was, I think, people trying to recapture or capture the essence of the Conan novels, the uh, Lord of the Rings, the um, Fawford and the Grey Mouser, if anybody, Elric and Melna um, It just, there were so many of those influences within it. Yeah. Um, that were just you know, because Thief as a player character, no one had done that before. You know? Yeah. Because thieves are bad. Yeah, thieves were supposed <laughs> to be, you know. Unless they were Robin Hood. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, no one's yeah. Robin. 
Well, technically, he was still an outlaw. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, I love uh, one of the things I really like about D and D is that D and D is a really good way to get people together. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I um, really came out of my shell in high school because of D and D. I was lucky. I had theater. Mm-hmm. I had a theater group. Um, which is also where I got exposed to D and D, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of overlap there. <laughs> <by> the <laughs> exposed to the D and D, yeah. Um, you sound like a you like a disease. But no, I, I had, my, but but even but if I had not had that, um, game, geek games like Magic: The Gathering and D and D were ways that I made most of my friends in high school. Mm-hmm. It was either that or theater, um, right? Or spare parts in the basement. And it's yeah, you know. it's funny too. The people that you, like celebrities who you would n- probably would never would have guessed. What like, was it I heard about where like Mackie Smith is running a game for Vin Diesel? No, uh, something like that. Vin Diesel was a hardcore D and D player. Oh, yeah, uh, his first character was actually a drow, I believe, a drow ranger named Melkor. After yeah, I think he was technically half drow because he talked about it on yeah. interviews and he actually he has a tattoo to this day. And during. Um, <laughs> During, like in between scenes when they were filming Riddick, he was teaching uh, Judy Dench. Judy Dench. Oh my gosh, time. that's how to play D. If I could be a fly on that wall, oh man. It would, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, and I always love how, and I like Vin Diesel a lot actually. I always like um, when one of the Star Wars prequels was coming out, he was at the red carpet and they asked him, So, Vin, Jedi or Sith? And he said, uh, Chaotic neutral rogue. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, he it, said this it's in a live interview, <laughs> and, and 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 you got the because I, I, I saw the interview, and the interviewer had this look on her face like, "What, what in the world did you just?" Say? Meanwhile, a million geeks are going, "Yeah!" Yes. You're having a massive. Like, geek I'd, always, I'd always known that he was somewhat geeky, but the fact that he played D and D and still wants to. Yeah. Well, here's here's what's so fantastic is this is my favorite little because I know we don't have a ton of time. I'm just going to put this little snippet in here about Vin Diesel. He I, I had watched some some interviews and I learned more in depth about his experience with D and D. And he actually wrote a forward on a D and D book once. So yeah, yes, he's that into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my favorite tidbit was how he's talking about when he was still a bouncer at the club and he was really young. He would race home in time to play D and D because can you imagine you going to this like hip club? And there's this giant mountain of a man, and he's like kicking people out and stuff and looking all you know imposing. And then he races home so he can get his so he can get his DM yeah. DM kit together. It's just hilarious. Yeah, I think I love that image. You know, here's Vin Diesel, you know, yeah. throwing people out of a club with a D twenty in his pocket. Yeah, because yeah, I great. mean, how many of us have carried around our dice in our pocket? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I was playing Marvel superheroes, I always had a pair of D tens in my left front pocket. You know, always have them with me. Always be ready. Yep. Maybe that should be the final thought. Always show up to game prepared. Right. <laughs> Never forget your dice. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, you can totally forget your dice too, because everybody gamers else always have extra dice. Right. <laughs> well, and, and then then there's then there's this. I mean, how many of us have stayed up until the sun is coming? I played four days straight when I moved from Missouri to Georgia as a yeah. going away party. We had right. a four day straight session. My brother's thirty uh, second. Um, uh, we played a three day straight level uh, forty epic campaign. God. Um, wow! I don't well, we all started to... at level forty, um, and we had like three months <coughs> to prep. But uh, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to do epic again. But I Epic was a lot higher level. I do want to play higher level. Yeah. 
We were playing Epic. Uh, we were playing we Dinefoozle's Temporal Maze. Wow. It was a it was a single three day dungeon crawl that involved going forward and backward in time. <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, <laughs> to pull kind of some of those thoughts together, my my final thought uh, on D anD D would be. Um, I guess I just I appreciate the fact that it's going through a bit of a resurgence right now with a lot of popularity with uh, with Twitch streaming and like shows and podcasts. Thank and, you, Crit Roll. Yes, and all you know all sorts. Because of, you're obviously listening to us. And you know, <laughs> like we were saying, celebrities that have been have become more open and vocal about it over the years. Um, oh yeah, and thanks Vin Diesel for listening to the podcast. Too. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> not not just actors either. A lot of people behind the cameras uh, have oh, talked yeah. about how it's uh, shaped their creative vision for yeah. uh, showrunners and writers and producers. Actually, uh, the Game of Thrones people, unsurprisingly, have revealed that they were you know inspired by D and D. Even something uh, that's not even technically geeky, blind one, spot. When they found out that Ashley Johnson played D and D, they actually started getting into it. All yeah, they started sprinkling in these references and everything. Yeah, well, and they've actually started learning great. to play too. Right. But yeah, I, I guess I just uh, I, I like the um, I like how it's it's accessible and it's becoming more popular and there's there's less social stigma attached to it these days. Uh, never I think th- never thought it'd be considered. Well, a lot of the age of the geek, baby. A lot. I think a lot of that has to do with the internet, and you know, when it was new, it didn't exist, and you know, now there's there's just so much more transparency about what it is and what it isn't, and uh, it really all it is is improv with friends and add dice. Yeah, like that's really all it is. So uh, I would just say, you know, to people who are on the fence or are perhaps curious or interested, just jump in with people that you like and that's the important thing you know you there's there's no doing it find a group if you're yeah. having fun that's all that's important if you can't find a group locally there's always roll 20 and the people, internet is your friend yeah yeah um i think we're gonna have to call it cut it short now at this point well short we're gonna have to cut it long now at this point <laughs> um thank you so much for listening uh please tune in next week same D time same dnd channel it doesn't work without bats um but <laughs> uh yeah um, for our next episode of Geek Fanthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter C and the number 29. Ending theme is March of the Mind by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. We read all of them. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash workingtheory. A final thought. Never pick up a duck in a dungeon.